the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the sports dance. My name is Greg, and with me, as always, the champagne is finally drying off of us after celebrating the other night. It's Paul, everybody. Paul, how you doing? Wahoo! Wahoo! <laughs> and they counted them out. They won't oh, beat yeah. 500. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I think they did. I think they did it too. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we are Red Sox fans, so we are very excited at the fact they made the ALCS, especially after, you know, people said they weren't going to beat the Yankees, and then they said they're definitely not beating the Rays. And after that first game, there was probably more people that said they're definitely not beating the Rays. So much so that Tampa Bay ordered champagne. Now, this is a fact. They ordered champagne to Boston to celebrate because they figured they were going to clinch the division series and get to the ALCS while in Boston. But that is right. Things you don't do. And if you do, don't let the other team find out because the Red Sox found out about it. Oh, yeah. So we have that. We have a lot to talk about this week. We are going to kick off with baseball stuff because we are still riding on a high we have walk-off wins, two back-to-back nights. It's like it's 0-4 again in Red Sox Nation. If you get tired of this, well, too bad. We're going to be talking about the Red Sox still because, you know, there was a time where we didn't think this was going to be a situation we were in. We're kind of playing with house money now in Boston with the Red Sox still in the playoffs. They're going against Houston. Lots of stuff going to happen with this series, Paul. Well, you know, um, first of all, I guess the elephant in the room is – they're going to bring it up again. It's a cheating scandal. Yep. And Alex Cora, who did his time for the crime and is turning out to be one of the best coaches in MLB and could be a career coach MLB and be one of the best in history. Just saying. I mean, right now, it, you might be right. He is coached in two seasons and both times he's made the ALCS or his coach for three seasons made it twice something like that whatever it is I think I have to remember the years years are scattered right now I'm still just riding the high of the fact that the Red Sox are in the ALCS but very much true the cheating scandal will definitely be brought up because it is these his old team where the cheating happened and then of course we know with the Red Sox what happened they also had accusations of cheating and he served time for the stuff with Houston, the stuff with the Red Sox was kind of a slap on the wrist because it wasn't anything close to what happened with Houston. But that's all coming up. And I do have to say, to his credit, he has handled it very well. He has answered every question that has been given to him. He has not shied away from this subject at all. And he has been very at the forefront of saying, listen, yeah, I know I messed up. There was a part of me that thought I was never going to get back into Major League Baseball. So I am cherishing every moment I have now to be here and in this moment. What you heard, if you watched the post game, his voice, he was very emotional. It was kind of like one of those things where you're like, why is he so emotional if you don't know everything that's happened? If like you're a casual baseball fan and you don't know everything that's happened over the past few years with him. So that's why he was. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be a very good series, I think. I have a feeling this one goes maybe all seven games. I will say this though, Paul. Nailed my prediction. I said Red Sox in four. I was right. You are the man. You said five. five. I was going to say you had him in five. five, Isn't it nice to win at home? It's nice to just win and not five. (laughs) (laughs) The pressure of not having to deal with a this is it type game is way better. I stand on when you watch a home run hit by a Red Sox player, the camaraderie in that dugout and the laundry basket ride, and the teamwork. And then you see a Rosarina hit a home run, walk into the dugout, gets one fist bump, and game goes on. That's the magic potion, and nobody else has it. Also, I'm very glad to not have to see Randy or Rosarina at all the rest of this playoffs, and him and Wander Franco, both going to be pains in the side of the Red Sox for years to come, but... I saw him standing at second base way too many times this series, pointing at second base with a straight look on his face of like, yep, just did that. And every time he did that, the game was tied. And I was like, are you kidding me? How is this happening again? But You know what another noticeable thing was? How much smarter 
Alex Cora is at managing games than Kevin Cash? Oh, um, yeah. Kevin Cash is a little eager. Um, Alex Cora is the advantage for the Red Sox. 100%. He is, the baseball knowledge is amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible. So I, I'm looking at Tropicana, Tropicana Field, right? Yes. Um, we, use the, we use the phrase dumpster fire. Holy crap, what a dump. It if is. you hit this ring on the ceiling, it's a home run. If you hit this one, it's a ground rule double. If you hit this one, it's an out. What? Oh, are we, are we talking ground rule doubles? Are we going to talk oh, about yeah. ground rule doubles? <laughs> that was a that was a great play. I, they had it right. They got it right. Well, the better thing is the fact that when the Rays tried to argue it too, comes out the next day that there's a video from like three years ago where the Rays were in Toronto and the exact same thing happened. Actually, even worse than what happened in Boston where the ball literally hit off Renfro when it bounced off the wall and over. Whereas the Rays player in this situation went to scoop it up and it went into the stands. So Cash that time argued, no, it's a ground rule double. Everybody only gets two bases. But this time, obviously, first that was kind of trying to play a different story. But after it all, I will say the Rays players and the coaches did come out and were like, yeah, no, they made the right call. In the heat of the moment, you try to get things to change, but they made the right call. So, like, they were very much like, okay, this happened. Even the next night, I believe Red Sox fans were in the center field with Kiermaier shouting ground rule double at him and he turned around and gave a little golf clap like all right okay i hear you so at least from that aspect but i do know the red Sox were playing with a little chip on their shoulder in this series with hearing about the champagne and the fact in the game one players for the rays were eating popcorn and having a good time it kind of rubbed the guys on the red Sox the wrong way and their bats made a lot of noise because they were shut out in game one and over the next three games they scored 26 runs to Tampa Bay's 20 for the series. High scoring. But, and honestly, if we're going to say, if there's anything credit outside of the team, because, you know, there's always that little bit of magic with the fans and the aura of things. I don't know if you've heard about this, Paul, but the Rally Cups. So a guy from Section 10 podcast, or Red Sox podcast, named Steve Peralt, got Rally Cups. He dressed up as a Reese's peanut butter cup, like, outfit. So like the packaging and ate Reese's cups during the Red Sox games while he was at Fenway and he ate a lot of them. I asked him, he actually ate around 50. He would ballpark it through the four games total. So he averaged 13 or so a game. And you know, when he ate them, Red Sox tended to score. So I'm just saying there might be some magic to the Reese's rally cup. Um, Maybe, right. So do we all have to go out and get some Reese's? Is baseball the most superstitious sport? Yes, by far. Yeah. So we have to go out and eat Reese's. It's for the team. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say you told me I had to. Bend our arms. (laughs) Need to go eat Reese's now. All right. Uh, I don't want to. I swear I don't. Oh, oh, wait. Can I get the pumpkin ones? (laughs) (laughs) The ones with the fang bites out of them? Yeah. So... But yes, so I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, you have that also going on because, you know, everybody needs something to kind of focus on during these games. And the rally cups were something everybody kind of got behind if you follow the Section 10 guys at all. But overall, did how much did this shock you? I know there's a lot of people that this series shocked to see the Red Sox win and how they won. Did you actually see this coming or did you have some skepticism, but you went with the home team because it's the home team? No, I really thought they have the the hitters. The pitching scared me a little bit. I thought they could do it. Um, uh, Ebrod, the first, oh my gosh, and then uh, Sale. I'm like, what are we doing? You came up with some great solutions. Um, that that scared me a little bit. But I had I had all the faith in the world. Um, yeah, I would I say the same. Uh, the Erod start definitely made me shaky. I did think Pavetta should start Game Four. He was scheduled to start Game Four. Before I knew that when I said that, but Erod, hey, to his credit, he came out, he looked amazing. He was aggressive. He went after that zone like he should. His changeup was used not as frequently. I saw a stat. He used his changeup nine times in the last outing throughout all the innings he pitched. So about five innings. In the first game when he pitched, he used the changeup nine times in the one inning he pitched. So he clearly changed it up. He went to the fastball more. He was more aggressive and it paid off. So good for him. I had to, you know, 
say my mistake. Uh, I said Pavetta or anybody but Erod should get the start in game four, and they handed him the ball. He shut my mouth up. He performed, and props to him. So I did also see Core confirmed Sale will be in the rotation for the ALCS. People were wondering. They weren't sure if maybe things were off after that one inning outing. But he said, nope, he will be in the rotation. He's chomping up a bit to get back out there. Hopefully we get some of the old Chris Sale that gets through four or five innings at least. Um, and I think he will. Everybody has a bad game. That was about as bad as it gets. Right. First top of the inning and first inning and what was it, five runs? Yeah, so we the Red Sox had scored two runs and then he gave up the grand slam in the bottom of the first. Which, oh, I gotta, I have to say, credit to the Tampa Bay Rays uh, Twitter. The Red Sox, after scoring two runs in the top of the first, said, how are we feeling? Are we all feeling good out there? And they respond after the grand slam saying, yeah, we are. Mm-hmm. So you got to give them some credit. That was pretty cold-blooded by them, but pretty also spot-on ribbing. You got to give it to them. Yep, absolutely. Especially now that the Red Sox won. We can definitely say, you know, props to them for that first game <laughs> and what they did. They did a good job in that first game. <laughs> but all right, so ALCS, we said it at the beginning. It's Houston Red Sox. We know the cheating scandal stuff's going to be brought up. But when we look at the actual matchup, Paul, what do you think the keys are for the Red Sox? I assume who you're going with. Actually, let's do that first. Who do you have winning this series? I, I have the Red Sox winning, but it's going to be a battle. I, you know, the Astros, they're not just made of Altuve and Korea and Bergman. They, they've got Brantley, great hitter. They, they're a solid team. They, they score a lot of runs. Red Sox have the bats. And, and I know this is very... John Madden-esque, but you got to score the runs. You got to get those, you got to get those home runs. You got to get the runs in. I do think if, if they score more runs in four of the seven games, than the Astros do that. I like their chances. What about you? <laughs> Only as long as it's in four of the games, I think they're good. Well, listen, I think it, it goes seven games. You think it goes all seven. All right. I mean, I'm not, I don't think you might be wrong. I think you might be pretty spot on there, but. And I do think the Red Sox take it. And that's not just the homeboy. I think you, you look at their performance on the night against the Yankees. They handled Tampa Bay and I think they can handle the Astros. Now, beyond that, it'll be even tougher. Yes, it will. Uh, I agree with you. I think, I mean, Obviously, fans up here, we know, like you said, Altuve, Bregman, those type of guys, Correa, are the names, are the faces. We know, everybody knows they're the main faces of the cheating scandal. You do have guys like Michael Brantley. The interesting thing for me is going to be with their pitching. Their pitching is better than ours. It's not as good as Tampa Bay's, but it's better. And, I mean, really, at this point, no offense to the Red Sox. That's not super hard. After Valdi, you're kind of like, what are we going to get? But – they do have an issue. Their starter, their main pitcher, Lance McCullers Jr., felt some forearm tightness in his game in the game yesterday. He was pulled in the fourth inning. We'll see if that has any play in this series if he can't go, which Red Sox fans are hoping he can't. But if he can, he's somebody to watch out for. He is one of those guys that if he's on, he is on. And even if he's off, he can still hold an offense to minimum damage for the most part. So I do think it'll be interesting. Obviously, when you look at the managers, Dusty Baker has been around the block plenty of times. He knows how to manage a game. He knows how to manage in playoffs. He has made it to the World Series before. He knows what he's doing. Cora still has the advantage. But in general, i going to say, oh, man, it's hard because of how talented the Astros are. I think... The Red Sox win it. I want to believe that their bats stay hot and their pitching stays as good as it has been, where it can keep them damage at a minimum. I'm going to go with Red Sox. I'm going to say in six. I feel like if it gets to a game seven, I'm leaning towards Houston because it'll be in Houston. We'll see. No. Yeah, I think, I think it's the two, three, two 
situation. So I think they clinch it in Houston, but it's going to be a battle. I think these are going to be some close, some high scoring game potentially. They, their pitching held the White Sox who have a good offense in check. So it's just a matter of what the Red Sox bats decide to do. Also, when it gets to the later innings, it gets iffy because if these are close games, it gets to the point where does core keep Schwarber in as a defensive first baseman where it gets potentially dangerous? Does he switch to Dahlbeck like he did in the Rays series? And then you have Schwarber out, and that's a bat that in extra innings especially can be a complete game changer because Dahlbeck, he was better in the second half, but he's not Schwarber, let's be honest. So we will have to see exactly how that plays out. Um, all I can tell you also is after this season, the Red Sox need to do two things. That is ex- just pick up the club options on core now for 23 and 24 and sign Kyle Schwarber to whatever type of deal he wants. Keep him in a Red Sox uniform because the guy has embraced the city. The city has embraced him after that little fist bump when he made the toss to first base to make up for the fact that he couldn't get one done earlier in the game. I think that just sealed the deal for Red Sox fans of we love the guy. We love him. He's, he's human. It was just a fantastic moment. But, yeah, so looking at this series, I mean, like we said, Altuve, guys like that do make you nervous. They are the names you know. They had phenomenal time against Chicago. It's going to be it's going to be a battle. It's going to be rally cups. We're going to need all the rally cups we can eat. And then it's just up to the baseball gods. But I'm going Red Sox in six. You're saying Red Sox in seven. My guess is we will be in the minority like you we were with right. the race series. Yeah, but well. I understand they it. The they have the talent. My mind says it's a 50-50 split, so I'm going with my heart because my heart says Red Sox, Red Sox in six. Let's look at the National League side, though, Paul, because it is not completely decided what that championship series is going to look like. We do know one team, though. And you nailed it. Yeah, the uh, Braves sent the Brewers packing. Uh, hey, Freddie Freeman, who called it? Uh, you called it. I guess he did hit the game-winning run. Um, not a walk-off, by, but hey, he led the team. And uh, the Brewers are back in Milwaukee, and the Braves are headed to. We don't know where they're headed to. Yeah, they could be right. staying home. That's true. They could be staying home. It could be flying out to Cali. It is. So that's the part we're really going to discuss. Yes, the Braves won. Congrats to them. I figured the Braves would also make it there. The Brew Crew, love the Brew Crew, but they looked nothing like the team from the regular season. Their pitching was pretty good, but the Braves pitching was unhittable in most of those games. And like you said, Freddie Freeman stepped up, did what he does. Um, And so they move on. The question is, will they be flying to San Francisco or will they be awaiting the Dodgers? We don't know by the time this is out. The game five deciding game will be happening Thursday night. So this comes out Thursday mornings. Thursday night, Paul, we have the Dodgers and Giants. And it doesn't sound as nice as game seven because game seven has so much like history sounding behind it of this is game seven. Like so much can happen. But game five, because Baseball is the only ones that do five-game series anymore of the ones that do series. So game five between the two best teams in baseball this year, the I combined the team's names there for a second, the Giants and the Dodgers. This series has had a very noticeable theme, which is Dodgers score a lot, they win. Giants hold the Dodgers down to minimum runs, they win. And basically by minimum, I mean no runs because the Dodgers of Giants have won one nothing and they won four nothing. And then the Dodgers won nine two and seven to two. So it's kind of funny that that's how the score went. But <laughs> looking at it, Paul, who do you have winning this division series? Uh, well, uh, now that we're here. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, the Dodgers. Okay, why? Um, I think the Dodgers, as long as they can get their bat on the ball against the Giants' very good pitching, 
I think they can do that. And I think that's why the Dodgers win. And if, if they get, what is it, four, four or more, if they, when they score runs, if they, they either lose like two to nothing or they win big. So they need to get the bat of the ball. And, and, yeah. I, and they have the ability to do it. They do have the ability to do it. And yeah, it's been a weird series, especially the one nothing game. Uh, the ending of that game, Gavin Lux was the last batter. He had 106.9 mile per hour ball off the bat. So off the bat, it was 106 miles per hour. I saw a thing where it said the Dodgers had only done that three times this year, and all three times it was a home run. This ball was caught at the front of the warning track. And when I was like, how is that possible? Because obviously I wasn't awake when it happened. Apparently the wind was like blowing all over. It was like blistering winds type thing they said happening in Dodger Stadium. So the wind was so strong that it pushed the ball basically back and did not allow enough oomph to get out. Which it stinks, but I mean, that's baseball. But I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Dodgers. I think they're just a team that's been there, done it. They know how the postseason pressure works the giants have not had to deal with that at least in a little bit so i'm going dodgers i think uh urias is on the mound for the dodgers he was the national league leader in wins so clearly he knows how to get it done in the games he will probably only go three or four innings at most any sign of danger he's getting pulled because it is a all hands on deck situation for these type of games everybody is available even if somebody says you're not available no you're available you can give an out if you need to. Nowadays, I think it has to be three outs, but still, you know what I mean. So they, they, um, they will. They'll pull out all the stops. This yeah. will be in two phenomenal teams. It is two very good teams. Like I said, the best in the majors this year. So it is a shame to see one of them go. But my gut, just like yours, says Dodgers. I think Mookie Betts plays a major role. Honestly, I just want to see somehow Red Sox, Dodgers, the matchup of Mookie back, coming back to Fenway. And also, Alex Cora, when I was listening to an interview he had today, even said, he goes, as much as the fa- facing the Astros and hopefully beating the Astros closes the chapter in some sense, he goes, the bigger chapter is facing the Dodgers. And that because the Dodgers are the ones that feel like they got gypped. The Dodgers are the ones that think these whole scandals with the Astros and Red Sox jip them of two World Series championships. Well, we'll take them to church. Well, that's the hope. So we will see real quick. We won't go into it too much. Braves, Dodgers, if it's the Dodgers, who do you have winning in that series? Dodgers. All right. I'm going to go Dodgers too. If it is the Giants and Braves, I'm actually going to pick the Braves. It's just my gut. Yeah. But really? yeah, really. Okay. All right. Because of the pitching? I just have, it's just my feeling. If I think the Dodgers and Braves will be high scoring, and I think the Dodger, uh, Braves can out hit the Giants, is my thought mm-hmm. right now. So, looking ahead, though, we are going to take a quick break before we start talking some football to hear from Bet US. So, real quick commercial from Bet US. Play ball. BetUS has all your gambling needs. Make sure you check them out today. When you do, use promo code 12OUNCE. That's 1-2-O-Z. BetUS is America's favorite gambling site. That's not stop me. That's guaranteed what everybody thinks. Go to BetUS to make all your gambling plays on sports and casino games, whatever you're into. Go check them out. BetUS. Use promo code 12 ounce to get a special deal helping us and helping you today. Always remember, gamble responsibly. Play ball. All right, Paul, that's right. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Heading into football season, and by that I mean week six because we are in the full swing of football. Let's take a look back at week five. We had a few things to discuss there. First off being Upset City. New thing we started where we are trying to figure out what teams might upset who are underdogs. Last week, I went with the Colts to beat the Ravens. I was highly disappointed by the fact that Hot Rod missed a 40-yard field goal 
to blow that pick for me. I was so close. I was there. I had it. There's a part of me that's happy as an Eagles fan where it's like, hey, all right. They missed it. They lost in overtime. Carson once played the whole game. He's now at 40% snaps played for the year. And also they're one and four. Great for the Eagles for a potential first round pick being a high first round pick. Again, to update everybody, if the Eagles, if the season ended today, right now, I think the Eagles have the fifth, sixth, and 10th pick in next year's draft. So that is awesome for rebuilding this. I don't know what they are franchise at the moment. I don't know. They're two and three. They beat Carolina. I'm confused. We will talk about it. I'm a homer. Anyway, Colts blow the upset. I'm okay with it, but I was also like, come on. Fantasy points galore, though, in that game. I was up by 75 against my wife in that game. I lost. (laughs) Good thing. Not a good thing. Why would I want to lose? I don't care who I'm playing. It should be her. It doesn't matter. I want to win. That way I can play the DJ Khaled song. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I couldn't do that this week. I was very frustrated. Paul, who was who was your upset though? So for last week. If you remember correctly, I, I put on my waiters and I went into the dumpster and I picked the dumpster fire uh giants over the cowboys. How'd that work what? out for you? Ouch. Concussions and ankle injuries and yeah, I don't know. I think they had the water boy playing by the end of the game. The cowboys trounced. I gotta say, Dan, the Daniel Jones video. I felt bad that uh, he should not, he should have stayed on the ground. Somebody should have stopped him from walking because he didn't look like he knew where he was. It was bad. It was bad. But all right. So for this week, we have new upsets. Let's see if we can pull one out. This is for if you love to gamble. Also, I mean, might as well just go for it. Paul, who is your upset pick for week six? Well, I have. Uh, I love that you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like you're like I don't. Even, I don't even believe in this one. Because it's. Um, I have the Lions over the Bengals, and the Bengals are doing all right at three and two, and the Lions haven't won a game. But it's been that close. Like holding my fingers an inch apart. It's <laughs> very close. It's literally been that close. They had the Justin Tucker 66-yard NFL record field goal hit the crossbar to beat them. And then I think they had 30 seconds left in the game this week against Minnesota where they took the lead somehow and then got a field goal kicked against them to lose the game. So they have been super close. (laughs) I feel really kind of bad for Lions fans. Lions fans could be sitting at two and three, which isn't awful. It's respectable right now. And yet they are. They finally find their first win. I, you know what, if there's a week to do it, the Bengals, it might be, who knows what Joe Burrow's throat contusion is going to have an effect on him for this game. Uh, it's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers told him plain and simple, stop trying to dive, slide, just slide, always slide. You'll have a nice long career. <laughs> he's very, he's, it's very true. You quarterbacks need to learn to slide. That's like, Main thing, number one, after learning coverages, learn to slide when you run. It's <laughs> going to save your career most of the time. And your extremities. That too. All right, so that is your upset pick. My upset pick is, I'm going, this one would be a surprise, but at this point with how their season's looking, maybe not, of the Washington football team, who is two and three, facing the beating the Kansas City Chiefs, who are also two and three. Chiefs are favored by six and a half. But their defense is awful. Like every team that faces them can look like they are the high flying old 2001 St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf type offense where everybody's just putting up major points week in and week out. We saw it with the Bills beating them this week, 38 20. The Eagles never punted once against the Chiefs. Like teams are just racking up points against this defense. And if the offense has even just a stumble, that might just be the opening any team needs to beat the Chiefs. They are not the unstoppable Chiefs anymore. They can be beaten. It just takes one turnover, and that could be it. 
So that is my upset pick. Let's see. Let's hope this week goes better for us. Yeah, that's uh, be a good idea. I couldn't have been more wrong. Right? It would, it would be nice to be one, right once in a while. I'll take being right about the Red Sox. Uh, I'll trade in the being wrong about Upset City for that. I'm with you. So besides that, uh, Paul, other thing to talk about, two games to watch for this week upcoming. Who is your must-watch game for week six? Well, I think the Chargers and Ravens both have four and one records. Um, solid teams. Look, Mar Jackson put up his first 400-yard game on Monday Night Football. Um, solid performer, and Herbert's consistent as hell. I think it's two young quarterbacks that are stars, and I, I think there, there we go. It, that's it's it's a must-watch. Yeah, no, I I agree that it's definitely a must-watch. Four-one teams, Ravens having that big comeback when Monday night Herbert has just been great, like. All the rookie hype he brought into the second year, he has lived up to. You know, there you hear about the sophomore slump. He is he is just beat the shit out of it and said, "Not happening to me." So, good for him. My must watch game. Oh, actually, real quick before I do that, what is the over under on that, and what is the spread? Um, so I think the Ravens are going to cover the two and a half, so they'll win by three, and I think it'll be under the fifty one and a half. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I mean, it just depends on if defenses show up at all. We saw the Ravens-Colts game very high scoring, which actually surprised me. So we'll see. But I like it. I like that game. My game for the week to watch is the Cardinals, who are the only undefeated team left in all of the NFL, versus the Cleveland Browns, who have had some little hiccups. I mean, I wouldn't say big hiccups. They lost to the Chargers in a very high-scoring close game. And I forget who their other loss was to. I think the Chiefs might have been the Chiefs in week one. It was the first week they lost to the Chiefs where they probably should have beaten the Chiefs. Honestly, the Chiefs should be one and one and four at right now. If you think about it, the Browns beat themselves. Their punter messed up. They had a few calls that really they shouldn't have done. But obviously things didn't go their way. And they're sitting at three and two. I'm pretty sure. This is the week the Cardinals lose. I feel like the stars are aligning. Cleveland's not – Cleveland isn't a bad team, so it wouldn't be an upset. Cleveland's a very good team. Their run game is strong. Baker Mayfield has been looking very good this year. The spread right now is Cleveland favored by three. I think they cover, and I also think they go over the points of 49. I just think things are lining up. Kyler Murray's shoulder is not 100%, it seems. He seemed to be struggling in the game they had this past week against the 49ers they only put up 17 points he didn't he looked like a shell of himself for what he's been doing uh deandre hopkins kind of been beat up all year so i just think the defense will be solid against cleveland but i think overall cleveland puts up like 24 to 27 points and i think that's enough uh and i think uh actually to make that work cleveland puts up like 30 and i say Arizona puts up like 24. We'll put it, we'll put it around there to hit the over. But that's my pick for must watch. I think Cardinals Browns will be a good one. I do think the Browns though win that game in the end. In the end zone. <laughs> but a bump. Then moving on, the other thing to talk about for this week is studs and duds in the fantasy world. So we have a few more things for football to talk about. We have the studs and duds. We're going to have a quick, quick conversation about John Gruden and those emails. And then, oh, me, I'm just a homer. But I feel like we should cover the Gruden stuff just for like a half second. But first, studs and duds, because before we talk about the big dud, let's talk about some studs and duds in fantasy realm, because obviously that's what everybody's here for. We all love fantasy football. So, Paul. Coming to you first, who was your stud and dud last week, and how did they do? Well, uh, Saquon Barkley, um, two carries for nine yards, um, dud. He was supposed to be my stud um, yeah. based on his performance the week before, but sprains his ankle and out of the game. So It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, so he was, he, he was uh, supposed to be my stud, and he, he was a true dud. He really was. 
the, I mean, the sprained ankle did not look good. The video, the, the balloon size of it, but it happened really early on. What did he have? Like two carries, I think, before that happened? Yep. Yep. Total of nine yards. Well, it wasn't negative. Didn't even get, he didn't. Even, if you go by 10 point yards, get you a point in fantasy, he got you no points. Yeah. That's it. Yikes. Dud. Dud. <laughs> Who was your actual dud? Did that pay off? Dudley. Oh, my dud. Who was supposed to be my dud? Yes. <laughs> um, Brandon Cooks. And? I was all right. I was all right. Um, it was three for twenty-three. Not good. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not if you're not PPR, that got you two points. And if you are PPR, depending on how you score it, if you do it either by half points or points. You were anywhere in the range of five points to three and a half. So yeah, that was definitely a dud performance. Yeah, not good. And no, not at all. Yelled, right? So good. So you get hey, one out of two, fifty percent. You know what? Weathermen are wrong more than that. Exactly. Make it paid every week. Exactly. That is very true. So my stud and dud for last week. Um, my dud definitely was correct. I had no fat fant. Font, however you say his last name, as my dud, I kind of thought Drew Locke was going to be quarterback and didn't expect Teddy Bridgewater to be in there. He was still stuck with Font. I took him out of my lineup. Luckily, I switched him for Kyle Pitts. Props to me for doing that. Pitts went off in London and helped me get a victory. Anyway, Fant went three catches for 20 yards. So basically the same as Brandon Cooks, just not pretty no matter what type of league you're in. And then my... Stud was actually Matthew Stafford for the Thursday night game. I figured he was just going to tear apart that Seattle defense. He did to an extent. He, I mean, he put up 365 yards. I'm not going to say he was a stud. He had a touchdown and an interception. The passing yards definitely helped. So, like, he put up 18-plus points, depending on how your scoring is. So, not dud. No. But not stud of... I was thinking he was going to put up 25 plus. He wasn't a Lamar Jackson who put up 41. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) He did. He was, he was on fire. So, all right, let's look to this week though. Let's help out some fantasy football players, whether it's for your actual leagues or for some daily fantasy of who we think might be the guy to go with and who might not be Paul, who is your stud for week six? Uh, James Robinson from the Jaguars. Um, Miami's defense is lackluster, and I think he is going to have a stellar week. Yeah, he's been on a hot streak. I don't think he's gotten under 19.5 fantasy points over the last three weeks, so good on him. Uh, My stud for this week, if you are paying attention, and you should be, is Travis Kelsey. Yes, I know I picked Washington football team to upset Kansas City. That does not mean Travis Kelsey will not have a big game. He has not had as big as games the past few weeks, as you would hope. He's had a few, but he's usually just a monster every single week. I expect him to have somewhere in the range of eight or nine catches for 100-plus yards and a touchdown. Washington football team's defense is not overly great at defending tight ends, so I just think it's an opportunity for him. I still think they lose in the long run, but (laughs) I think Kelsey still is a stud for fantasy perspective. All right, so besides that, who is your dud, Paul? I actually, I'll do my dud first, and then you can go. Okay. Well, we'll not have you go first all the time. Okie doke. My dud, I'll just follow up, is going to be Mac Jones. Sorry to push that knife into you there, Paul, on your back, but I don't think it's going to be pretty for Patriots against Dallas this week. Dallas's defense, surprisingly decent. Did not see that coming. Not going to lie. And I think... This past weekend showed us that Mac Jones can be pretty decent, but also he all could have had four interceptions. He threw one, but I feel like he could have had a few more. There was some close ones. So I think this week's a multi-interception game against Dallas. I don't think he has over 200 yards passing. And maybe if you're lucky, he gets a touchdown in there. I don't know if it's happening. I don't think he's going to have a great game. For your sake, I hope I'm wrong, as you being the Patriots fan, but I just don't see it happening. Well, I'm never talking to you again. 
That's fine. <laughs> I've done this solo before. I can do it again. We've, we've, we've heard that phrase before. Um, so funny. I have a quarterback also, Ryan Tannehill. Titans. Funny if you were like, Jalen Hurts, how's it feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ryan Tannehill, um, he's going against the Bills defense, and they're going to take him apart. Yeah, the Bills defense has been taking a lot of guys apart, huh? Yeah, including uh, my homeboy. <laughs> that's Jeff. Yeah, Mahomes threw two picks the week before they shut out Houston and just made David Mills look awful, whereas the Patriots made him look great. That's the other part of it. I think just the Patriots in general are just going to get trounced. Sorry. I hate to hear that as a homeboy, but you know, I know you do. But you know, I I think the Tannehill picks the smart one is actually the key is okay, it is in Tennessee. So that might be a saving grace to not have a completely disastrous performance. Cause I feel like Buffalo plays weird, not like the team, but I feel like the stadium in Buffalo is just oh, kind of nuts. Well, not only that, I feel like the wind in there goes all wonky sometimes. And it's just an mm-hmm. odd stadium to play in. I feel like quarterbacks struggle in there a lot of times, not Tom Brady, but most quarterbacks. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely like that pick, though, is where I was getting at. All right, so that's our studs and duds for this week. To recap really quickly, my stud is Travis Kelsey. Yours is? James Robinson. James Robinson. My dud is Mac Jones, and yours was Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. All right. What are Mac duds this week? Yeah. All right, Paul. Now, before we get to me, oh, me, I'm just a homer because that will be a quick one one or two sentence off to make things a little lighter after this conversation. The John Gruden emails. We have to talk about it. It's everywhere. It's like the Urban Meyer thing. You have to make some mention of it just because I feel like it's an obligation at this point. If you have a podcast that talks about sports, football specifically in any sort of way, you got to mention what's happening. We both had two different coaches being the first ones that would be gone this NFL season. John Gruden was not that coach being a 10 year contract with the Raiders. Yeah. Figured he was going to be there all 10 years. The Raiders had a great start to the season. It has hit a brick wall, both their season and now John Gruden. If you have not heard somehow and are living under a rock, John Gruden has resigned as coach of the Raiders due to emails that have leaked out from 2011, where he is misogynistic, homophobic, racist, you name it, it was apparently in these emails. So, Paul, right off the bat, I assume you agree with I do. Just terrible one look for John Gruden, too. Totally is the right move that he should not be in a coaching position anymore or have any association with the NFL at this point because of this. Um, 100%. Um, I guess it's nice they let him resign. Um, who knows what the package is, but go away or you're fired. Is, I think the package is well. you got your money from these four years. You're not getting any more. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Um, resign or it's going to get ugly. And and that's the right thing to do and cut ties and move on. And I mean, honestly, it kind of did get ugly. So first, this all started last, last early last week or this past Monday or so, I want to say, um, where it came out or it came out on Sunday about this email from 2011. It was just one at the time where he made racist comments. He came out saying, you know, I'm not racist. What I said was not meant in a racist way. Like, and people kind of were like, all right. um, Like, okay. Like maybe he's not anymore, but still he said it. Are they going to do something? Is he going to get fined? How's this situation going to go? Because also what thing to be noted on these emails is Gruden was not employed by the NFL. He was not a coach. He was nothing. He was an analyst announcer for Monday Night Football when these emails were sent, apparently. So the NFL kind of didn't have any power to do anything, I feel like, in that situation. But whatever it was, you know, they issued a statement. They apologized, all that. Not good. For what he said in that that specific email, you figured he's probably not losing his job. It's just going to be a black eye on him for a little bit of time, but definitely worse things have happened. Then more emails got leaked. More things have come out 
And then you're kind of like, all right, now what's going to happen? And then during Monday Night Football, boom, John Gruden has resigned as the Raiders head coach. And then it comes out, Tampa Bay has removed him from the ring of honor. So this has all snowballed very quickly. And I get it. You can say there's cancel culture if you want to be one of those people. That's fine. I get it. It is kind of cancel culture to an extent, whereas somebody said something 10 years ago, nobody's really allowing him to explain himself, but also at the same time for what he said in those emails, apparently, I have not seen them, obviously, so I can't 100% confirm, but from what is noted in these emails, it is something that he should not have a job at, in the position that he is in. As much as you want to argue against it, uh, this is America. We have freedom of speech. These emails shouldn't have even been leaked. All of that doesn't matter. He said what he said in these emails. They're not things that if you said out loud, people would look at you and go, okay, anyway, moving on. Like, no, and they would be like, excuse me? Um, we need to have a conversation. So that's where it's at. Apparently there are more emails coming out in general. I will say this. There is a weird thing about these emails. And it is the fact that apparently these were discovered while the NFL is doing an investigation into the Washington football team and stuff that has happened over the years in that organization where there has been charges of, I think, sexual uh, harassment and things like that in the organization. Somehow John Gruden emails are what has come out of this investigation so far and nothing else. The fact that Gruden was not associated with the team, like we said, I mean, his brother was the head coach there, so maybe that's how it got happened. But that, doesn't that seem a little odd to you? I would imagine it was emails between the two of them would be the only way it would have gotten there. I guess, but why is this what's come out? That's what's, that's the weird thing. Like, I'm not saying it's like, oh, poor John Gruden. Like, yeah, no, I get it. What he said in those emails was atrocious and should be having everything that's happened to him with losing his job and all that happened. What I'm saying is, okay, let's now direct what's happening with where these emails came from and how they came to be. How did that happen and how did nothing else come out based on the actual team they're investigating? And what were they investigating? Like, is this like a... Details in comparison? Let's put the spotlight on Gruden while we secretly try to stash this other stuff away so the NFL doesn't look bad type thing. Like, what is it? That's the only part of this that seems a little off to me. Well, they knew they were there and they were just going to find them. I don't know. Maybe there's a tip. Guess what I see? I don't know. Who knows? It's very odd. Whatever happened, they found it and they took the right action and he resigned and move on. Yep. So, but yeah, it's just a, it's an odd situation, but like we both said, we agree. What happened had to happen. And now we move on. They have an interim coach. You know, we will see who they hire in the offseason. It's going to be interesting. I'll be curious to see if at any point in time John Gruden ever has any association of something in either the media or coaching-wise in the NFL again because people liked him as an analyst. People liked him, for the most part, as a coach. There's definitely people he rubbed the wrong way. So we will see. But yeah, end up behind a... they are now trying to make it. So the other emails that have been discovered in general have are made public because there's over 650,000 emails that have been gone through by investigators, but only Gruden's have been made public. <laughs> so I can tell you one thing. Urban Meyer was definitely in Jacksonville hearing this news come out and went, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> nobody's looking out old Herb anymore. Yeah, there you go. Let's go to the club. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened in there. <laughs> I think he, you are right. He's the happiest guy in NFL. I don't think there's a guy that's just like, we're 0-5, we suck. My owner does not trust me at all. But did you see what John Gruden wrote in those emails? Whew. Not good guys. Like, good. let's talk about that. No, what I did, we had no, we, what I did was wrong. But anyway, Gruden. <laughs> it's bad. 
It is bad. I mean, both are bad, but I think Rudin's probably worse. Yeah, I would say so. But all right, so enough about that. Like I said, we're going to end on a happy note for the NFL before we take another quick commercial break and wrap up the show. Paul, it's time for Oh Me, I'm Just a Homer. I'll let you start it off. Talk about what we saw last week with the Patriots and what your hopes are this week against the Cowboys, which in my opinion, nothing good. Um, so I think just an observation of Mac Jones. He needs to stop wearing his emotions on his face. He sits on the bench and it looks like somebody stole his kickball. Um, he just needs to be able to control that a little bit. Um, pulls out the win. Uh, he's got a team around him and he's a first year guy. Um, I I, I do believe he, he's, he's the quarterback of the future. He's got the talent and he's just got to grow. And I, I just, that's just my observation. Um, I wasn't expecting much from the team. And they're kind of like the Lions. They're that close. <laughs> they're a bounce off the goalpost. <laughs> they are. So, all right. Uh, do you have a score prediction for them against Dallas? <laughs> um. Patriots 24 Dallas 21 wait so then how it okay um I don't really know how to, what to say the I, fact that I, you went with the Lions I, I, over the Bengals no Homer no, conversation no the fact it's that the you went with the Lions over the Bengals as your upset city pick and not the two and three Patriots over the four and one Cowboys 24-21, how, I don't know how that somehow wasn't your pick. How do you think the Patriots are beating the Cowboys? Like, I know you what you just said and all of that. <laughs> they barely just beat the Texans. David Mills put up 300-something yards on, like, 12 passes without nearly the talent the Cowboys have. The Cowboys Did have – My upset win last week as the Giants over the Cowboys – Yes. I can pick the Patriots over the Cowboys. You can. Doesn't make sense, though, right? It doesn't make sense. Now I whole question the whole Red Sox series. You've made me question everything. Different sport. All right, fine, whatever. Um, I'm going to be a realist here. The Eagles beat Carolina, which surprised me. They, I'm not going to lie. I thought Carolina was going to beat them, and they basically almost did. It was very close leading up to the final few minutes where Jalen Mills Pulled away, not Jalen Mills, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Mills is on the Patriots. Jalen Hurts pulled a win literally out of thin air. He ran for two touchdowns. He was the only one doing anything. Their offense did not look good. Their defense was great. Their defense forced three turn interceptions by Darnold. Like it was overall very good. Like their defense played phenomenal. Offensively, Hurts was under 200 yards passing. Sanders, again, another week, another sad performance running. He only had 45 yards. Uh, Devontae Smith looked really good, though, as a receiver. Seven catches, 77 yards, so that's a positive. But overall, shock they won that game. This week, they're the Thursday night game against the Bucks and Tommy B in Tampa Bay. I think the game is actually in Philadelphia, so... Maybe we'll, yeah, maybe we'll throw snowballs at Tom Brady if somebody can find them somehow in the middle of October. I don't think it's going to be. A... I don't think it's going to be pretty. Tampa Bay is favored by a touchdown. If they only lose by a touchdown, I will be very happy. Either the, the only way the Eagles can win this game, and this is me just being realistic, is if they take the Patriots' defensive game plan, apply it, and somehow can run the ball against Tampa Bay. If they can run the ball and control the clock and get two touchdowns and a field goal or two, maybe they pull this out. But Tom Brady, again, he was in conditions that were conducive to him playing this weekend against Miami, and he put up 45 points. So to put it in perspective, he has put up 31 points. They have put up, where is it? 48 points. I was going to say, I have this somewhere. They've put up 24 points. That was a bad week for them. 
they put up only how many against 19 against the Patriots. So they've only scored under 20 once and they have scored above 30 three times. So I'm kind of playing the odds here that they're going to put up over 30. And they're not like the Chiefs where you can just keep up with them offensively. They actually have a defense that can stop people. Yes, their secondary is iffy right now because of injuries. But the Eagles wide receivers are not lighting things up. So we'll see. My confidence is not high, so I won't be disappointed. That's the good thing. I'm not expecting a win, so if they lose, they lose. I have the Red Sox to bounce back my feelings on Friday when the ALCS starts. That's all I'm looking at it. That's you know what? That's it's it, I I'm very excited about that. That I'm I think it's gonna be a very exciting series. And thinking about looking ahead and looking at things, we're gonna take a quick break to hear from Zingo TV because that's the place you should be checking out all 12 on sports content. So, real quick, Zingo TV. Play ball. Zingo TV is the place to be for all your 12 ounce sports needs. We got live shows daily. From morning till night, 12 Ounce Sports and Zingo TV are a match made in heaven. When you sign up for Zingo TV, make sure you use promo code 12 Ounce. That's one, two, OZ. It's free to sign up, but it helps us oh so much when you use the promo code. And when you get there, search for channel 761 on Zingo TV to find 12 Ounce Sports Network. Check it out today. What are you waiting for? Zingo TV, sign up with promo code 12 Ounce. That's one, two, OZ. Go check out all the great shows today. Play ball. That's right. Check out Zingo TV to check out all the great things on 12 on sports. Paul, a few more things to touch on. And by that, I mean like two things before we wrap this up. First off, the Nets came out saying Kyrie Irving cannot be associated with them. Practices anything, even if he's allowed to, depending on where they are until he gets the vaccine. What do you think about that? Like, do you, what do you think his move is going to be? Do you think he stays strong and doesn't get the vaccine? Mind you, he apparently, according to rumors, is not getting the vaccine because he doesn't trust the vaccine. He's getting it, not getting the vaccine to support those deciding not to get it or something like that. So that's he's speaking good- for the voiceless, apparently. Well, yeah, he- your voices are wrong. So here's an idea. Enjoy the games from your living room. I could care less. Grow up and be the role model you're supposed to be. You just blew every good thing you ever did. Yeah. And I mean, the team gets it. They've Nat, Steve Nash, the coach has come out saying, you know, everyone had their say. It's We had to make a difficult decision, but we need to move on. James Harden feels the same way. I'm sure Kevin Durant does. They all said they would love to have him back in the fold. And if he decides to get vaccinated, they will welcome him back gladly. But for now, they got to work on if he's not going to be there. Uh, they know his beliefs. They said Kyrie believes in his beliefs and he stands firm and strong on that. And for us, we respect it. We all love Kai, but as far as us, we have a job to do. And they're right. And again, we've said this before. It is your personal decision whether to get the vaccine or not. I feel like if you play a team sport and get paid millions of dollars to do it, you should do whatever it takes to make sure you can help the team reach the ultimate goal, which is a championship in that league. And the Nets are highly favored if Kyrie is there. Like it's not a mystery to anybody that they have Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. The Nets are favorite to win the NBA championship. Without him, yes, they still have Kevin Durant and James Harden. But Teams can lock down two stars easier than three. It's just simple math. So we will see if at some point, any point, Kyrie Irving changes his mind. But if not, this could be, honestly, the end of the road for Kyrie Irving in the NBA. He might decide to retire. It wouldn't be shocking to me. He's the type of guy that would do that. But at the same time, for people saying, like, how do you get mad at him for making this personal decision for himself and what he believes in? I'm not mad at him. But I can understand if his teammates, whether they want to voice it out loud or not, are personally frustrated. Somebody like Kevin Durant and James Harden have their money, have their success. Like, they're going to be fine. There are guys on that team at the lower half of the roster that are like, 
I'm never going to be the big money guy. I probably am only going to be in this league for four or five years. This was my chance to reach the epitome of the sport. And it's getting taken away from me because of a vaccine. Like, get mad at who you want to get mad at then. Get mad at the people that made the mandates. Get mad at Kyrie, whatever it is. But I'm sure there are people on that team and in that organization that are frustrated because of how they've set this team up to be where it is to do what it could do. And it won't happen because of this. Hey, you know, I I guess I really can't add to it. I just, I'm in disbelief. Well, I guess I did a good job then. He's supporting those who have made the decision. He could turn on a dime and say, you know something? I've done the research and we should be getting these. And then you should be an outreach person. Give them the high road. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in that situation. Last thing though, Paul, the NHL is back. (laughs) Oh, I've been waiting all show to talk about this. Hockey is back. Banner has been raised to Tampa Bay. Back-to-back Stanley Cups. What do you got to say about the first night, Paul? Hey, Seattle Kraken. First game of their... History loses to the Las Vegas Knights. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Uh, they did make it interesting, though. They were down 3 nothing and battled back, I think, to make it 3-3 before, obviously, losing. But, hey, you can't win them all, and you're probably not going to win your, your 50-50 chance. First game ever as a franchise, you're either going to win or lose. They showed some fight. I found it f- kind of funny that their first game was against the other most recent franchise to start. Which, by the way, side note, Vegas won their first game as a franchise. So just saying, we already know who's better. But, yes, the Kraken started. And then you go to Tampa Bay. Like I said, they raised the banner. Teams raised the banner. What do you expect to happen that night when a team raises the banner? Yes, they're pumped up. They're pumped up. What Does the home team usually like end up either crushing or at least pulling out the win? Absolutely. Yeah, that didn't happen in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> what happened? Pittsburgh, without Sidney Crosby, took their skates and I think cut open Tampa Bay players' throats and ripped their hearts out and everything because they stomped Tampa Bay 6-2. to two. It was ugly. Um, do we call yeah. off the three-peat? Do we call it off already or do we give it a little bit? Oh, no. They, 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 they might be done. <laughs> We're calling it first game of the year. Tampa Bay, if you had a future bet on them, your money is as good as gone. Because these guys, us right here, we know hockey. We do. We know hockey. We know know enough to turn you to our (laughs) co-show. We know sticks are involved and a puck and goalies and rules and lines. We know all of that is involved. Yep. That is is about the extent of it. Offsides. There's, there's a red line. I think there's a circle in the middle. A goal. <laughs> water bottle. Canada's involved somehow. Yeah, yeah the water. You got to play in Buffalo. So, but no, but yeah, I mean, obviously we don't know. We, we've never hit in this. We don't know much about hockey. We will mention it every once in a while. You know, start of the season, something you've probably mentioned. But if you do want to hear better hockey talk than what we just gave you, Go check out Cody at the World Hockey Report. And also there is Pete Power Plays, where he doesn't give you just hockey talk. He gives you some great bets for hockey. He has a whole thing where you can sign up for the season. He will give you bets. He has been up every year, I believe, on his bets for hockey. So if you are definitely that aspect of a hockey fan, check out Pete's Power Plays, but also the World Hockey Report's always giving you great information, much better than we can give you. We're your baseballs football and i'm your basketball pause yeah. getting there yeah concession food <laughs> yeah. you tell us what we can eat at the games i tell you more about that. <laughs> paul what are you eating over there oh i got this nice little hot dog with this stuff on it it's uh based off what they sell at <laughs> oh boy i don't but, know i don't know i i just look at all these people at these stadiums and i just think oh my god what are they doing they're having a good time, Paul. Let people live they their are. lives. They are having fun. I would have loved to be at Fenway Park. Some of them. I would have loved to be at Fenway Park for those games. Would have been phenomenal. 
one day, hopefully. But like we said, Paul, at some point, everything will get back to full normal. Until then, that's it for us this week. I mean, hopefully next week when we come back, we have some good news for the ALCS. If not, we'll still put on the show, still put on happy, somewhat sad faces. We will be. We'll we'll be professional. We'll move on. We're not on the team. We'll be as professional as we can be. Well, do your job. Things, but they won't be able to see it because it's, you know, over the radio. If the Red Sox lose, we're on to the NBA season. It's on to the NBA. (laughs) So we'll take the Bill. We'll take the Bill Belichick approach. But all right, Paul, any parting words before we sign off? Uh, Be safe. Be safe. Treat each other with dignity and respect. And remember, you don't know what people are going through. Treat them. Treat them nice. That is true. Uh, You can say that about a lot of things. I know there are definitely some players in professional sports that have things going on where they have had to leave for personal matters lately. So like you said, you never know exactly what's going on. Treat everybody with respect. Like Paul said, stay safe. And also on a final note, I'm going to say go birds, go socks. And I guess go Dodgers, at least for game five. That is it. Follow us, like us, all that fun stuff on Facebook, uh, Twitter, sports stance. I'm Greg with it. As always is my co-host, Paul sidekick, Paul 83 on Twitter, like us, subscribe to us, check out everything 12 on sports. See you next week. The sport stance.